Okay, rest of chapter nine. What will happen? Gotta find where I left off. But Tinker, tiring of running across the railroad sleepers and scratching his paws on the gravel between them, veered suddenly sideways, running off the tracks and onto the painted grass at the side. The great cockroach veered away too, off the tracks and out of danger. Out of danger from the black pointed cow catcher on the front of the huge locomotive. Uh oh, that's a problem. Measles started to yell, jumping up and down in the middle of the rail lines, waving his red flag as hard as he could, frantically trying to get the roach's attention away from Tinker and onto himself. And Basil saw the red flag, and under it the nasty, dirty, leaping figure of the boy, the boy he hated far more than he hated any stupid little dog. The boy was jumping up and down in the middle of the tracks, Basil forgot about chasing the stupid little dog and changed direction again, scrambling back onto the rail lines. Now he was almost there, and he could see in his muddled mind's eye how he was going to flatten the filthy boy. Flatten him and eat him, starting with the top of his head and working his way to the soles of his feet. He was almost there. And just as Basil reared his huge body forward to squash Measel flat, Measel hurled himself to one side off the tracks and onto the painted grass at the side, rolling sideways as he landed until his body thumped against the trunk of a tree. Basil could not shift direction as fast as that. In a straight line, he could get up a terrific speed, but... The great mass of his cockroach body could never perform an agile move like measles. So he merely slowed down his forward pace and laboriously began the process of shifting his great body sideways off the track. He was too late. The massive cowcatcher on the front of the locomotive, skimming half an inch above the rails, slammed into him catching his body from underneath and flipping it high in the air. Measle watched as the huge cockroach turned end over end, spinning upward toward the attic ceiling. He felt the blast of wind as the locomotive shrieked. The locomotive, going at full speed now, hit the sharp turn and rocked violently from side to side its small front wheels grabbing at the bending rails. Then the entire engine seemed to leap a foot in the air as it left the tracks, hurtling straight ahead over the edge of the table. It hit the attic wall with a deafening crash, followed by three consecutive crashes as the Pullman cars hit as well. He looked up again and saw that Basil's spinning upward flight was slowing down, and any moment he would begin the inevitable descent back toward the tabletop. In that split second, Measle realized with a sudden flash of horror that Basil wouldn't fall over the edge of the table as he had hoped. The cow catcher 
had flipped Basil straight up in the air and not sideways at all, which meant that Basil would land back on the tabletop. And Measle knew that no matter how high you dropped a cockroach, its hard outer shells always protected it from harm. High in the rafters, Cuddlebug stirred. There was so much noise down there, far more noise than usual, crushing and smashing and bashing. This noise was very disturbing to a bat's sleep, very disturbing indeed. So deserving, in fact, that Cuddlebug opened one eye. And here was dinner. It was very strange. Dinner had never come to him before. He had always... He always had to seek dinner out, find dinner, catch dinner, and only then eat dinner. And yet, here was dinner, spinning up toward his roost in a very peculiar flight pattern indeed. And it looked just like that large, juicy cockroach that had given him such trouble only a few hours ago. Who knew that cockroaches could fly? And since when did a bat eat its dinner in broad daylight? And who cared? Opportunities like this were rare. Lazily, Cuddlebug reached out one enormous talon and grabbed Basil neatly out of the air. And then the cockroach spell wore off. It didn't happen all at once. The only evidence that the spell had run its course was that the cockroach held firmly in Cuddlebug's grasp, began to get heavier. The bat's first reaction was, oh, great, a fatter dinner. But then the weight began to be a burden. Basil's insect body started to swell so that Cuddlebug's talon began to ache under the strain of holding it. And then the weight became so much that the bat's other talon, which was holding fast to the beam above it, began to slip away. And then Cuddlebug lost his grip on the beam entirely. And together, he and Basil began to fall toward the tabletop. Instinctively, the bat spread his great leathery wings, which turned his downward fall into a glide. But dinner was getting too heavy and too fat, and it was somehow changing shape in Cuddlebug's grasp. So Cuddlebug brought his other talon into play and now grasped the body with both sets of claws. Yes, he had a better grip now, but his glide path was dropping fast, and he made a wide circle over the tabletop, looking for somewhere that would give him much-needed height again. Ah, the open attic window! If he could only get through there in time, before gravity completely overcame him, the bat flapped his huge wings frantically and flew quickly toward the broken window, gaining just enough height to clear. By an inch, the shards of dirty glass that st stuck up from the base of the window frame like jagged spears. Cuddlebug shot out into the open air, and oh, the daylight, too bright, his eyes, he was blind. Which way to turn? In his confusion and sudden blindness, Cuddlebug forgot everything he knew about flying, and dinner and the effects of gravity and Basil's insect body grew and stretched and softened and changed its shape back into its human form. 
Cuddlebug, flapping furiously in crazy circles, suddenly lost his battle with the pull of gravity and began to plummet toward the distant ground. And in that moment, Basil was Basil again. He felt the sudden slackening of the grip, the grip of his beloved pet that had carried him safely until this very instant through the air. He felt the wind whistling past his face. He glimpsed the ground rushing up to meet him. Basil had instincts too. Basil's instinct was to grab at something, anything, just so long as it would stop his headlong plunge. He grabbed and clung tightly to the only objects within his reach, to the talons that had just let go him let him go. Cuddlebug shrieked a batty shriek of fear and fury and flapped his leathery wings as hard and as fast as he could. But it was no use. Gravity was winning this battle and winning it in a spectacular fashion. It was a long way from the attic window to the hard concrete pavement far below. Basil, now fully returned to his wrath monk self, no longer had his hard outer cockroach shell to protect him, and Cuddlebug had always been soft, on the outside, that is. Measles saw none of this, but he could hear it all. From somewhere beyond the attic window, he heard three sounds. Cuddlebug's shriek of terror, that was too high pitch for human ears to hear. So the first sound to reach Measles' ears was Basil's long howling scream, as he plummeted to earth. The other two came a moment later. Splat! And then a second later. Splat! Measel closed his eyes. His back hurt from where he'd rolled against the tree. He lay still for a moment. Then he felt something wet on his face. Something wet and warm. He opened his eyes. Tinker was crouching over him, licking his face. Tinker was getting bigger. And that is the end of chapter 9. Chapter 10 is called The Fall of the House of Tramplebone. And that will be our last chapter in the next episode. <laughs>